0: You are listening to Hands at Work audio. Tyler Ralph speaks from the Hands at Work hub in South Africa for digging deeper on June 11th, 2019. Tyler talks about our suffering and the resilience of our faith. So before there was a, a country called South Sudan. It was all one country known as Sudan. And in Sudan, it was is very much a Muslim majority in the north and a Christian south and there was lots of conflict between the north and the south and in 2003 the north decided to carry out a genocide on the south and they tried to wipe out what they did was they decided they were gonna wipe out all the males so that there would be no they would discontinue that bloodline and cut them off and so the men that were left that weren't killed there was this mass exodus, and they left. They tried to flee. And so that, that journey that started for them was a five-year journey to try and flee. And they fled a war where they had watched their parents been killed in front of them. They walked countless kilometers through the desert to where they were going, trying to go. They often walked by night, and they said, in the book I was reading about it, they were saying they walked in the dark. They'd be walking and they'd hear sometimes the noises of a lion. And then you'd be walking and they'd hear the lion attacking someone. But they, what, can, what choice do they have but to keep walking? They would hear it going on. And they fled to Ethiopia from Sudan. And in Ethiopia, they, kinda, they thought they found safe ground. And so they started to try and, Settle there, and then the Ethiopian army came in, and shot at them and chased them out, and they fled again, and they ran down to Kenya, and they settled in this UN camp um, where they made it home, and they called these boys the Lost Boys, so they formed this kind of all-male community in in the, the safety of a UN camp. But as I I also watched this documentary on them and. Um, I watched one of the one of the boys who is now a man, he in this movie he stood up and he was just saying he was he was recounting the journey that they'd been on, the things that they witnessed and how it was walking for for five years trying to find a home. And he said he said, maybe, maybe God grew tired of us. So he looked at that extreme loss and the, the difficulties they faced and the horrific things they saw and he decided that God had abandoned them. That God had left them to die. And by a worldly estimation, meaning as the world sees it, he's not, maybe he's not wrong to come to that conclusion. And it's, maybe it's even easy for us sometimes to look at our own situation and think God's nowhere here. God's abandoned me now. But even in the pain that they endured, God had not abandoned the lost boys or stopped hurting for their situation. He was still there with them. And in saying that, I'm not meaning to downplay the extraordinary suffering that they experienced the things that they endured, or to imply somehow it's easy, when you face that kind of difficulty, to to hang on to God through the pain and recognize his love in there. But nonetheless, his love is there, and we have to learn how to hang on through whatever storm may come so that we're not swept away. That we do not lose that God-given purpose in our life because of the trials that we face. I think this past Monday that we just experienced, I think a lot of people felt a lot of things in that from what I saw and heard from people. And it was clear that, that many people are facing challenges right now. And some of them are big battles. So I wanted to talk a bit about facing those hard times because we know life has many ups, but there are also challenges sprinkled in throughout it. Challenges are not something that is like a once-off in your life, and then, and then it's finished. It's something we must learn to live with as a part of our lives. And we need to learn to not just make it through the challenges, but to actually live well whenever we face, even in facing tough times. I think we need to understand suffering better. We need to also better understand God's love for us and understand what he wants for our lives. So I hope to touch on a few of those things here. Firstly, to talk about suffering. Now, I don't claim to be any kind of expert or understand suffering in any kind of depth, really. Or I'm not able to explain the specific circumstances around the deep suffering in the world. That's obviously far beyond me. But there are a few things from my experience that I do understand about suffering. And knowing these things helps me make sense of when I go through those hard times. (coughs) Firstly, when the religious leader asked Jesus and said, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus said, well, the most important commandment is to love God with all that you are and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So according to Jesus, love is the most important. And we were designed lovingly before we were ever born. And we were intended to be loving human beings, firstly loving God and then loving others as we love ourselves. We were designed in love for the purpose of loving God and one another. But love can't be handcuffed to another person. It can't be forced against its will to love. That's not love. We must have free will. We must be able to choose love or else you can't call it love. So God gave us free will in order That when we love him, it's our own choice to do so. So that it's genuine. But where there's free will, there's also sin. And you can't have only the good part of free will. And since we as people are sinful beings, our hearts can be corrupted. And where there is sin, there is suffering. So suffering is not there because of some lack of love from God or neglect from him, it's there kind of as a side effect because we've been given that free will. The second thing is that, you know, Alicia and I, you, or you guys prayed for us in our 12 years together. And I can definitely say that Alicia and I have walked some tough roads together already in our first 12 years. And in that, we've been pushing, trying, to as we work on our marriage. And one of the things we've done is to read um, a book by this pastor called Timothy Keller. And he he co-wrote this book with his wife. But one of the most basic parts of this book is also the part that hit me the hardest. He was saying, roughly, in, in a short version, he's saying that often as people, we enter marriage thinking that our partner exists to make me happy all the time and to fulfill me completely. And when a partner falls short of perfectly completing me, then, then I decide that we're not meant to be together anymore. Of course, marriage has highs and it has lows and we're all flawed, which means if it were true That we were meant to completely, me and Alicia were meant to completely fulfill each other. So that our spouse would lack nothing. They'd be completely fulfilled. Then all marriages would be doomed. We are all flawed and can never be that perfect spouse that we see in the movies or read in the books. It's those movies and those books we read that taught us to think about marriage in that wrong way. Those things have shown us that we find, the way I see it, it's shown us we're meant to find that perfect person and then we go on effortlessly and perfectly content for the rest of our lives together. So often when people's marriage doesn't come as easily as you saw in the movies, then we want a divorce. Timothy Keller says, When we're doing this, we're trying to put our spouse in that place that God's supposed to fill in our hearts. And marriage exists that we point each other towards God. God is the one who completes us. That's how it works. But without God at the center of our marriage, then we're just looking to our husband or wife to, to be that everything to us. So as I was thinking about it, maybe that marriage trap that we tend to fall into, maybe that's similar in the way that we treat our relationship with God. In the same way, when our spouse falls short of our expectations, we can give up on our marriage. Maybe we feel like when we face those hard times in life, like God isn't living up to his end of the deal. And something's wrong here. And we lose some of our faith in God. Maybe we believe God may not actually come through for us. Or maybe we think, God, I've given up my life in Canada. I've left family, work, security. I've left that behind to be here. So why am I still facing hard times? Why are bad things happening to me? Maybe I think God owes me something. Maybe this is where we are immature in our expectations of marriage. And similarly, in our expectations of God. It could be that somewhere inside us, there is something that allows us to feel that God's grown tired of us, abandoned us. In Romans 8, it says, can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger, or threatened with death. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ, who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above, or in the earth below indeed. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So does being a Christian mean that we won't suffer? Of course not. The Bible says that the suffering that we endure in our lives draws us closer to Christ who suffered for us on the cross. In 1 Peter it says, Dear friends, Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. For the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. But it's not shame. it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. The third point about suffering is that I think suffering sometimes it can be a bottomless pit for us. When we experience those painful times, there's, there's a few paths we can take. One of them being that downward spiral. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like this, we often become negative. Then we also start to surround ourselves with negative people that feed that beast inside us. Or we may draw, withdraw from people and community and not want anyone to speak into our life or our situation. And we start to find offense at any, anything, however tiny. And we take that offense and we attach it to that pain as a way to justify the way I'm feeling. And that's how we feed it and watch that thing grow inside us. So, maybe as individuals, some of us are not in a good place right now. And maybe we can identify with some of those negative tendencies. That lack of openness with people, that withdrawal from community, being easily offended, snapping quickly at others but there is hope for us. I know I know many people have heard my here have heard my testimony before of how I became a Christian. And so I'm not going to share the whole story. It's enough to know I think that when I came here I wasn't a Christian and I wanted nothing to do with God. I sat in all the prayer meetings but but I wasn't fully present. I wasn't there. And cuz I was what I was hoping to do was just be here help people, and then go home and just carry on how I was going. I, ne- I was never a Christian before here. It's not like I was and then I lost it. I was never a Christian. And I didn't want it for myself. And at the end of our time here, I found myself in Zambia. And so that was supposed to be it. We went to Zambia to do a few home visits, see what Zambia's like. And on one of the home visits I went on in this community called Katondo in Kabwe. I wonder if Daytona can show that picture. Um, I, met, I met a guy named Peter. This is Peter. And I'll always remember, every time I tell this story, I tell this part, but when I, I walked around the corner and I saw him sitting in his hut, and you can't tell from this picture, but the way he was sitting was like, you know when you look at someone, you can just tell that person doesn't walk. They're not able to use their legs. They're not able to use their hands the way he was holding them. And so we sat with him. He had a big smile on his face and the care workers were like, how, one, how is he out of bed? And two, why why is he smiling so much? And we walked over and we just sat with him and he shared his story with us. And he said, he was a soldier. He fell down on a march one day and then he hasn't walked since. He was obviously strong, proud man. And then... The next day, he was stuck in bed for as long as he could see. His wife passed away after that, and then his kids abandoned him. They were alive, but they lived far away and didn't care for him at all. He lived with these relatives that were far, far removed relatives. You know what I mean? It, was nowhere, it wasn't It was like an auntie or an uncle. It was far back. So they left him in this tiny little hut that he slept. He had enough room for a bed and then be able to get up and walk out if he could walk. That, that's the size of that little hut he was in. And he couldn't plant a garden for himself. He couldn't feed himself. He couldn't go to the toilet himself. He could do nothing by himself. And when I listened to him, though, he had something I'd never heard before. He had this faith that was unbelievable. he It wouldn't be shaken by his circumstances. He he said how much he loved God and trusted in God. He even had hope that he would walk again one day. And I was listening to all that, and for me in my mind, that justified, that's why I don't believe in God, right there. Because why would God let that happen to someone? And my, my own grandfather, we cared for him as he passed away from cancer. He lived with us. And I think I... I kind of paired the two together and I imagined if that was my grandfather who lived like that. That's tough and I couldn't understand it but God had planted a seed in my heart from what Peter said and it was through his words and his faith that I learned. I got like a peek at what is faith and I understood not right away but through time I understood and Krista Roby for those who remember Krista went and visited him. I didn't know that at the time. She'd visited him and he did walk before he passed. He took steps, she said. So he was right. But he passed before I came back to Africa, so I never got to see him again. But I did get a chance to write him a letter, which the care workers gave to him, to say what he had done for me, to save me. In Hebrews 11, it says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. What we may find purpose somewhere mixed in that pain and suffering. Peter saved me in the midst of his pain and his suffering through his faith and his obedience. I remember being with Vusi in Swaziland in our old community in (laughs) Kapunga. And we were doing a home visit to this go-go way in this remote area. And she was just laying on the cement floor like this and had a blanket over her. And they said, she's got cancer and she's just waiting to die. But when we started to worship on that home visit, she sprang to life. And and she had that same faith that Peter had. And again, it was it just did something in my heart and to hear people like Peter in that go-go in Swaziland, you can't not be changed in your heart by those things. And it made me think about it. Could I inspire someone to faith simply by seeing my steadfast love in spite of whatever hardship I'm facing? What an amazing privilege that would be. We are called to be purveyors, to give hope, To bring hope to those who have lost theirs. And if we are able to experience loss and pain and still hold tightly to God in it, what could that do for someone else? What could that do for our own growth? In Romans 5 it says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Through the trials we face, we realize our own weakness, and therefore we understand our dependence on God. And realizing our need for God draws us closer to him so that we can understand how deep his love is for us. And that's how we're able to endure when we understand that. Ephesians 3 says, And and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. It was interesting on that Monday morning prayer that we sat together. On one hand, I found it painful to hear, you know, what other people are going through right now. And... And it was challenging us. I think God was challenging us deeply as a community in the way that we care for each other, as real brothers and sisters, to stick together in that. But I also think God was saying to us, this is life. Look how Christ suffered in his life for our sake. Amongst the joy in our lives, there will always be challenges that we face. And so that we must learn endurance, not to surrender. And as we endure, we will be witness to other people the way Peter was for me. In our, in our small group on Wednesday, I don't know where everyone is right now in their watchword booklet, but for us, we're looking at that part of caring for other people. And when we looked at, I think one of the questions why was, what are the reasons why you struggle to care for other people sometimes? And one of the people in our group said, I think I'm busy waiting for the right time to help other people. I'm waiting till I've got all my challenges in order. And then I'll go out and help other people. Firstly, I thought, well, I'm guilty of that too, for sure. And, the, and then my next thought was, when is this magical time when everything's sorted nicely in perfect order that I can now go help other people? When is that? is never. That's how life works. The moment I stop for too long to lick my own wounds, I can become completely weighed down by my own situation or potential problems I might face. I close myself off to everyone in order to protect myself. At least I think I'm protecting myself. So imagine for a minute, George and Carolyn in the old days in Masoy in the height of the AIDS crisis out there. They lost people week after week. I was trying to ask Carolyn, was it like every week? I mean, sometimes it was four people in one week. Sometimes it was, you know, just one person a week, but I guess the numbers don't really matter. The point is it was bad. And sometimes the people they cared for had no family left. They'd been abandoned or their family had passed. I'm talking women, children, they had them in their arms as they passed. And those people died knowing the love of a father who waited for them in heaven. They experienced that love through people like George and Carolyn who were with them as their life slipped away from them. Imagine how painful to care for a small child every day and then to watch them pass. Try to imagine the emotions and how overwhelmed you would feel in that. But what would have happened if they had decided, after that loss, one week, that they'd had enough and they were gonna stay home? One week, they were out in the homes caring for people. The next week, they stayed home. Imagine how many people would have died not knowing Jesus. Would have died in horrible conditions, all alone. Thank God for people who endured the suffering they experienced and still chose to carry on in that. If you want to be reminded why we're serving orphan children, go ask Carolyn, ask George, for a story of those old days. Learn about the sacrifice and the determination it took. Am I saying we shouldn't have time and room to process, to grieve, to care for another, in the pain we experience? Of course not. George and Carolyn cared for each other and had a community of people around them. We all need that. But if we allow our pain and our grief to be all-consuming and allow ourselves to stop looking outward to others, we'll begin to focus only on our own problems, our own hurt, and shut off to the people God has placed right in front of us to support us and love us. We will be consumed by our own suffering. That's not what God wants for us. He wants us to endure hardships and still be filled with love for him and for others. Look at all the Apostle Paul faced in his journey as a Christian. In 2 Corinthians it says, this is Paul speaking, he says, I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked long and during many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. If anyone ever had a reason to give up their ministry and say enough is enough, it was Paul. Paul experienced all this and never stopped loving and never gave up on his devotion to his God-given purpose in life. That's only possible because of the love Paul had for God and his understanding of God's love for him. How many people have been led to faith because of Paul's obedience to God, because of his endurance in the face of adversity? Remember when the disciples were in the boat and that storm came in and they panicked? They woke up Jesus in the boat, said, Jesus, we're gonna die. Did they completely lose sight of all they had just seen and experienced with Jesus? As soon as that first wave hit their boat, they just go into chaos. Did they not yet fully understand how much they were valued and loved? By Jesus, Did they not believe that God had a plan and a purpose for their lives? Did they forget the power of the one who was asleep next to them in the boat? Maybe your storm is right now. But in the storm, may you not forget who is in the boat with you. May we remember that we're never forgotten or abandoned. May we have the clarity to recognize in the middle of the storm that we need God and continue to lean on Him. May we remember how completely God loves us. May we continue to support each other when our boat starts to rock. May we remember that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And may we never allow fear or pain or anything to stop us from caring for those in desperate need. In conclusion, I just wanted to say, through suffering, we're able to deepen our relationship with God. At the same time, our relationship becomes more resilient and able to withstand attacks. We learn to understand how much God loves us and our dependence on Him. Then we will learn to live in a way that our lives don't collapse as we face pain. We will learn to navigate the pain which allows us to keep our eyes fixed on God and our hearts filled with joy, with hope, with love. Let me finish from 2 Corinthians. We know we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. And through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Thank you for joining us www.hansetwork.org